Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. A few years ago, uh, I, um, I started having a shoulder problem, and uh, they didn't really know what was happening, so they sent me for an MRI. Anybody had an MRI here? Right, so uh, they, you know, they, they stick you in this donut, essentially, a very loud donut with a very small hole. And I thought, you know, after people had said, oh, I had an MRI, and it was just like, I thought, well, that's not that big a deal. I've had one before. I had one on my leg. It wasn't that difficult. You know, you just lie still. It's noisy, but, you know, big deal. Uh, but this was different because I had to go in head first. So, you know, they, they put you into this position. You have a little button to push in case there's an emergency, and you wrap your arm like this, and, and then you get uh, slid into the tunnel, or the tunnel slides over you, and it's about this far from your face. And I started feeling something I don't know that I've ever felt before. And I, I felt like I was going to panic. And I actually said to the, said Ted to the tech, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I can do this. And she said, let's just try it for 20 seconds. Very smart. Uh, so immediate, so of course I'm going to do it. So immediately I just close my eyes and I begin to, I begin to pray uh, the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus have mercy on me, Lord Jesus have mercy on me. And, and you know what? I was great. It was good. The time just went by. It was fine. I knew that if I stopped doing that and started thinking about the tunnel again, like I can't, I, I can't get out. It's too close. Then I would be in trouble. But this, this really helped me. And and it was a a, a shocking and interesting experience because I've not really felt. I felt fear before, but I've never felt it in exactly that way. And uh, it had the potential to be quite overwhelming. Uh, so I want to talk this morning, as Steve said, about overcoming fear, because fear is one of those things. It's a natural uh, a, a response, a human response, and essentially fear is this emotional response we have when we perceive, it doesn't have to be real or can be real or not real, but when we perceive that there's some sort of threat, there's threat to our body, to our mind, to our emotions, etc. When we when we feel, uh, when we think there's going to be some some threat, we feel fear, and that releases, of course, all kinds of chemicals to, uh, that produces a, a sort of uh, you know, power for the, the fight mechanism or the flight mechanism. Uh, often we'll, fear, you, you we'll feel different levels of fear. It's, again, it's a very normal response to many things. Uh, but often our responses are not helpful for us. We... Uh, we, we'll, we'll try to escape that feeling, even if it's a very small kind of uncomfortable feeling, uh, by doing things that are, they're not necessarily bad, but they're inappropriate. They're, and, and long-term, they're actually not helpful. They're, they're the opposite of helpful. They're harmful. So we'll go to sex, drugs, rock and roll. We'll go to social media. We'll, we'll watch endless bouts of Netflix, etc., just to kind of damp down the feeling uh, you know, uh, buffering, right? Isn't that, I, I just learned this term this week, buffering. So we, what we do to kind of manage our emotions. So, uh, you know, the, the long-term effects of A, intense fear and chronic fear, and on the other hand, our, our poor strategies, they all work out to be bad for us. 
And so it's important for us to understand uh, some biblical approaches to, 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 to handling the fear that we have. Because otherwise we get trapped into ways of doing things that are not helpful for us. Um, you know, this topic is so large that we could, we could spend endless amount of time talking about strategies, etc. And if you, if you really struggle with fear in an area, it's actually worth going on online and checking out some of these things because there, there are some really good strategies. But I want to talk this morning about a couple things that, that, uh, that come out of uh, uh, Judges chapter 6, which is the story of Gideon. So in the story of Gideon, uh, what happens is the, the sort of the groundwork is this, the background, is that Israel or God's people, they're not actually a nation quite yet, but they're God's people. They're in the land, but it's all going wrong. They're, they're not faithful. They've kind of given up following the Lord properly, and therefore the Lord has, has kind of withdrawn, and they're now vulnerable. And so what's happening is that there are raiders coming in at various times, uh, you know, killing them, uh, wrecking their houses, taking over their food, stealing it, etc. The economy's a wreck. And then you come, of course, to this one man named Gideon. And he's, t- he's got his grain and he's threshing his grain in a wine press. Now, I assume this is because he's afraid. Because... That's not how you. That's not how you do your your. You know, you, that's not how you how you deal with your grain. Normally, in those days, what you did was you had a, an open place where uh, the the wind could sweep through because then you 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 kind of threw up your grain that had been harvested, and then the chaff would the light stuff would blow away, and presumably they would burn that later. But all the good stuff, the stuff of substance, would fall there, and you'd have it. Now he's down in this. Uh, in this stone kind of area, it could actually be a little bit sunken into the ground, and he's trying to do this down there. All of the background of this is, again, that God's people are being disobedient to him, and therefore, there's this, this bad situation. And so just as a kind of throwaway here for you guys, I would say that sometimes we feel fear because we're doing the wrong things in life. We're doing things that we, you know, we, we're ignoring God. We know that we shouldn't be doing them. Sometimes that happens. And when that happens, we, we'll, we will feel, feel some fear. It may not be right at the beginning, but after a while, yes, because we're vulnerable. And the one that we depend upon to take care of us, we've kind of shut the door. But that's an aside. So you have Gideon, and an angel comes to him and says, I want you to, I'm just going to tell the story here. But essentially, he says, I want you to be the instrument of deliverance of my people from the Midianites. He's a little nervous. And, and he's sort of making some excuses. You know, my tribe is small, etc. How am I going to do this? And the angel says to him, you know, essentially, don't be afraid because I'm going to be with you. And, uh, and there's a, a first test and by the way, this, the, the, the issue of fear runs all the way through this story. So God gives him, I want you to go and sacrifice your father's second bull. <laughs> I'm sure he's not going to be happy. But go do this and, uh, you know, knock down the altar of Baal and the Asherah pole that's up there when you do it. 
And Gideon is afraid. It says he's afraid of his family and also the townspeople. So he does it at night. So he goes up there, he knocks down the unapproved altar, builds a proper altar to the Lord, takes the wood from the Asher pole that he's torn down, and he sacrifices his father's second bull. Well, the townspeople, what, what's interesting, it's quite unexpected. The townspeople are mad, and they're demanding that, that he gets killed. But his father unexpectedly sticks up for him and says, well, you know, if this is a problem for Baal, let Baal deal with it. So, whew, he escapes this. There's a couple more tests that Gideon uh, asks of the Lord because he's not sure, is, is this really you, God? Is this really going to work out? And the Lord is quite patient and, and deals with all of that. Finally, Gideon gets around to rallying the troops. And somewhere around 30,000 troops show up. Yes, let's go to war. We've got the, the manpower. But God says, no, no, that, that's way too many. Uh, if you go up and you win, people will have in the back of their mind, well, actually, it wasn't really the Lord. It was just because we had all these men. So God says to him, why don't you let the people who are afraid in the army, why don't you let them go home? Do you know how many people went home? 22,000. My army was 30,000. I've just lost two-thirds. I don't know if that's designed to make Gideon feel better. Then God says, oh, that's too many. Uh, why don't you go down to the stream? Everybody can have a drink. And the few that, you know, lap the water like dogs, and you keep those ones. Oh, now we're down to 300. So we've just gone from this to now 1% of the amount of men that showed up. I think if I was Gideon, I'd be way more afraid. But then, you know, this is the thing about God that's fabulous. He knows what we're like. He knows everything that's going on, and he's quite accommodating. It's not the right word, but patient. So he says, look, if you're afraid, <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid. Look, if you're afraid, why don't you go down and listen at the camp? Sneak down to the enemy camp and fight. Listen. And so he and somebody else go down and they listen. And what they overhear is a couple of people discussing a dream one of them had. Oh, yeah, I had this dream. And in the dream, there was this big round thing, like a loaf of bread, and it came rolling into the camp and knocked down the tent. And do you know how they interpret that? I don't know why this happens, but they interpret it like this. Oh, it's Gideon and his army is going to thrash us. I don't know how they got that out of, you know, anyway... Gideon is, Gideon is not afraid anymore. He's pumped. So he worships. He goes back. They worship. They get the army together. They plan, and they begin the rout of the Midianites. The Midianites are on the, uh, uh, you know, now they're afraid, and they're running for their lives. And Gideon and his men are pursuing. A couple of, they, they stop at a couple of cities to ask, hey, we need some help, like some food, some water, you know, logistic stuff. And the leaders of those cities say, uh, have you killed Zeba and Zalmunna yet, the leaders? No, uh, the, we're not going to help you because if you fail, they're going to come and get us. So we're not going to help you. Gideon deals with those leaders. He's no longer the person who's quaking in his boots in the threshing, you know, the, in, in, in the wine press. And finally, they catch up to the Midianites. They rout them. They capture the leaders, Zeba and Zalmunna. I love those names, don't you? Zeba and Zalmunna. Anybody having twins? 
I've got a suggestion for your twins, Zeb and Zalmona. Uh, they capture them, and, and Gideon says to his son, I assume a grown son, it's your, you killed these guys. Well, again, this topic of fear comes up. He's afraid, and he won't do it. And the uh, Zeb and Zalmona sort of taunt Gideon, and Gideon is not afraid anymore, and he takes the sword, and he kills them both. So you have this progress in the life of Gideon from, from a person who's, I mean, he's tentative uh, to the place where he's not tentative anymore. There's a, a, a good passage of life for him. All right, three points I just want to make. I think they're practical points and powerful points. And, and number one is this. When we're wanting to overcome our own fear, we need to recognize and rehearse this truth that God is with us. We need to recognize and rehearse that God is with us. Uh, he, he says this to, uh, to Gideon, that he's with me, don't be afraid. And this, this phrase occurs over and over and over again in Scripture in various forms. Uh, don't be afraid, don't fear. Why is that? Because I'm with you. It's probably the most repeated command in the Bible. I was shocked when I, when I heard this. Don't be afraid. Whoa, why not? Well, because I'm with you. Now, in this passage here and in some other cases, what does that mean? It means, well, God is going to be with you to the extent that everything's going to go well for you. And his design is going to be accomplished. You can just rest, relax, and go through the process. It'll, it'll be okay. You'll come out, you know, it'll be like going through the car wash. You'll, you'll look great. But that's not always the way that it is. Sometimes it, it really means I'm, I'm going to be with you. You're not going to be alone in this. It's not a promise of you're going to be protected and, and it'll be like Saturday morning in your slippers or something. Uh, it's not going to be quite that easy. You know, after all, the father was with Jesus, but Jesus actually had to go through some stuff, didn't he? But that's still significant because for many of us, uh, Part of what makes us afraid is the fact that we feel like we have to do it all on our own. You know, we, you know, we, 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 we have to have, go and talk to the boss or we have to go uh, into some government office or the lawyers or, or the police or something and we feel like we're all by ourselves and we have to have the right words and, and, and we have to do everything just right and we're, we're not really sure what's going to happen and, and on and on. But if Jesus is with us, and we know he's right there with us, it doesn't feel like we're having to do it all on our own. It, if he's with me, it's all going to be okay. No matter what happens, it will be okay because he's with me. And this is really a serious, fundamental truth, and, and I would say a difference maker for us as believers. Fear can be uh, tamped down, shoved down, and pushed away when we know that Jesus is with us in a real sense. Number two, pray. Of course, you're thinking, yeah, duh. Of course, we're Christians. We know this. Yeah, pray, pray. Uh, 
Gideon, you know, Gideon does a lot of that. He does some worshiping. He does some prayer. It doesn't use the word prayer. And uh, what, it, what it does is it uses the word says, he said. So he actually has conversations with God. Most of those conversations have to do with, could I, could I just try another little test to make sure this is going to work? That's, that's the kind of conversation he's having. Uh, but in a wider sense, uh, prayer is the, is, the, is the way to go when it comes to overcoming fear. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one is because when we pray it out loud, we're, we're labeling it. And when you label what you're feeling, it dials all of the emotion down. When you label it out loud, it dials it down. There's a, an experiment done by Dr. Lieberman, I think from UCLA. And, uh, and he noticed that uh, in, a, in a brain scan that when you label fear, the parts of the brain, limbic system, amygdala, they, they, the, the, their activity lowers. Those are the parts that have to do with fear. It lowers, and the prefrontal cortex, which has to do with managing things, it, it raises up. So just by the fact you're saying, Jesus, I'm so freaked out right now, that, that lowers everything on the inside. Now, the other side of it is that when we pray, of course, actually God does something. He does something. He actually acts. Peter says, says this. You'll, you'll recognize these, uh, these quotes, but Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Most of the time what we do is we suffer in silence. You're carrying it around because you just feel like you're, you're somehow less than a real Christian or something if you're feeling fear. No, he says, cast your anxiety on, on him. He actually cares for you. He's not dispassionate up there thinking, oh, you should be doing better than that. No, he actually cares. So cast it on him, he'll take it. Paul says it this way. The Lord is dear. Be anxious for nothing. Don't, don't worry. Don't, don't freak out. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. So when you, when, you, when, you, when you pray, God, I'm so freaked out about this meeting I have to have about what's going to happen next, about whether I'm going to be left this way. I, I really need you to do something here. He comes. He comes to our hearts. He brings peace and settles uh, all that's, that's within us. So prayer, even though it's kind of like a, yeah, duh, uh, it, it actually is powerful because of how we're built and because God is powerful. A very practical way. When you want to deal with fear, you need to do this. And the third thing is this. Third way that we help, uh, that helps us overcome fear is to face it. We have to face our fear. Uh, it doesn't, it, you know, uh, now, you know, I'm talking in a certain context here. Obviously, if you're, if you go out in the parking lot and a bear comes up from the golf course and starts chasing you, um, you probably don't want to face it. Just a run away, run away, um, climb a tree, get in your car, do something, but uh, you probably don't want to face it. So this is, you know, this is, 
within its context here. But yeah, you want, you want to face your fear. And one of the reasons is because most of what we fear never occurs. I think it was Dale Carnegie. My dad used to listen to Dale Carnegie on a record, I think. That's how long ago it was. Sorry about that. But, and if there's one thing I remember, it was this. 80% of what we fear, you can't do anything about or it never occurs. That's a stunning statistic. I don't know if that's real, you know, if it's really 80%, but obviously it's high. Most of the things that we fear, we can't do anything about anyway, or it never happens. Uh, I was reading a book a while ago, and um, Augustine, the church, uh, one of the famous church fathers, was talking about time, and he said, uh, time doesn't exist to which I'm reacting, what? What are you talking about? But, uh, but he says, yeah, if you think about it, what happens in the past is gone. You, you don't have it. It's, it's gone. It's, we don't have any control over it. It's gone. And what happens in the future has not happened yet. It's not real. You, you know, what is the future? It's, you know, science fiction, I guess that works, but not, not in real life. There, the, the, there, there's nothing over here. It hasn't happened. You, you haven't experienced it yet. So why, why, are, we, why are we afraid of that? Uh, I, know, I know we all do because we're trying to prepare ourselves for the worst case scenario, but it hasn't happened yet. So often what happens is we're afraid of something that hasn't happened or it won't happen. I remember, I remember this moment when, uh, when I was, I, I, the, the start to my PhD was a little rocky emotionally. And I remember uh, being, walking down the street one day uh, on university campus, and God really sank to me, you're okay right now. And I, real, I think I probably stopped. And I realized, oh, all of this angst that I've been feeling low level, high level over months and months, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. At this very moment, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, you know, everything's good. But I'm feeling all this stuff. Why am I feeling all this stuff? I'm actually okay. So often we feel this fear for something that's, that, that hasn't happened yet. We need to, we need to face the thing. Now, the second part of it is we need to face the thing because otherwise it'll cripple us. We either grow by going through it, become more healthy, stronger, emotionally uh, uh, human beings, or we avoid it or we do something else and, and we cripple up inside. There's so many times when I feel like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to face this person or this situation it's, you know, it's, um, it's making the insides of me not feeling good. I don't want to do it. But in the back of my mind, I know I, oh, I can't avoid this. Because if I do, I can never face myself. I'm, 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 I'm going to be less than I am now. I don't want to be less than I am now. And I don't want to have to go through this lesson again. You know, I, I, I want to, I, I'm going to have to face it. I'm going to have to move forward in it. Remember the um, the previous one of the previous directors of the school, I think she was freaking out a little bit about having to teach something, 
And I said to her, I'll do that. I'll do that for you. It's no problem. And she said, no, 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 I, I can't. Because uh, I've just learned I, when I'm afraid of something, I have to go right after it, right at it. It's the only way to get past it. You know, they did this, um, they did this experiment with white mice. Brace yourself, animal lovers. Uh, they did this experiment where they uh, would play white noise, you know, kind of like a hiss, a hiss. And at the same time, they would shock the mic, mice. You know what, the last group, they gasped when I said that. You guys are just so hard heart. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're just brave. Uh, yeah, so the mice, they'd play, the, play this, uh, this uh, white noise, and they would shock the mice at the same time. And after, literally, after two shocks, the mice would freeze when they heard, when they heard the white noise. It would just freeze. And so then what they did was they separated the mice. So one group, then they now, they played the white noise every 10 minutes without shocking them. And those mice always froze. They never stopped freezing whenever the white noise was played. The second group, they did the same thing, only it was at one-minute intervals. So they didn't shock them again. They just kept playing the white noise every minute. And those mice froze. They never got over their fear of being shocked. The third group, they, they did the same thing, only it was every six seconds. Every six seconds, they would play the white noise but not shock them. And after a very short amount of time, within, I think, two minutes, the mice stopped freezing. You know, it's that old adage, you know, if you fall off the horse, get back on. You know, those things, that, you know, those old adages our parents used to say, and we were like, oh, yeah, right. Well, actually, some of those really work. So when we, 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 when we especially when we've been burned by something, and now we're afraid of it, one of the only ways to get past it is to face it and go right at it. Gideon, he needed a few tests, but he eventually ended up doing what God asked him to do. He went for it. He didn't run away. And, uh, when, you know, in overcoming our fear, I know it sounds normal, you know, not normal is not the right word, uh, a little dumb maybe, but, but it's real. This is a very real thing about how we're built we have to go forward. We have to face our fears. So why don't you all just stand up, if you can, if you wish. This is a journey. Uh, I won't say that I'm the expert on this. I think all of us have a, a wrestle to a, a, a certain degree, less or more with different things. Um, but it's a human journey. It's a human journey. If we don't feel fear over things, then there's probably something really wrong with us. But some of us will feel fear for something and not for others, etc. But we, we want to get by our fear because it's the only way to really grow in our lives. We have, to, we have to handle, we have to overcome the fear that can debilitate us, can cripple us, deform our life and our relationships. And to be made more into the likeness of Jesus, we have to move through the places of fear. The, the places in the shadow of death. We have to move through those places. So I want you to just close your eyes for a second. And I want you to ask God, God, where's a place 
where I really struggle with fear. Some of you have had a quick thought and you're like discarding it. Don't discard it. That's probably God. Now, I want you to ask God to give you a strategy, the movements to, to get through that fear and to face it. Lord, I, I pray that you will come to each one of us and not only show us the places that you intend to move us through, the, the place where the shadow of fear falls, uh, but you give us strategy and courage that your, your peace will come as well. And for some of you, uh, you're, you have this fear uh, of being alone, whether it's, uh, whether it's through abandonment, whether it's through divorce, uh, whether it's through the death of someone that you love, you have, a, you have this fear that's nagging at you. And God wants to release you from that, that fear right now. So if it's you, just put your hand on your heart. And just say after me, Lord. Actually, everybody say this. Lord, I open my heart to you. Will you come in to the places where fear has a home? And will you bring peace into that spot? Will you bring hope? Will you bring vision and contentment? Thank you, Lord. Amen. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.